Hi. Hi. <laughs> Long time no see. Yeah. Wayne made a mask at daycare today. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's terrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> I just sent it to you. I can't wait to see it, how terrifying it is. Oh, you my can God. see his... <laughs> it's demented. Yeah. It's also... His favorite color is yellow right now, so everything what the he has is going yellow. on? It's like... <laughs> Is it diseased? <laughs> he, he was supposed to paint on it. And I guess they made oh, like boy. the smiley face design, but it looks so creepy. I love how you're forcing your child to wear Crocs. <laughs> I wear Crocs now. CPS, like I'm going to call them right now. <laughs> These people <laughs> are forcing their child forcing. to wear Crocs. <laughs> I like these shoes because they they stay on, but they like yeah. if his feet get wet, they're not gross. Yeah. Ruined. Pretty nice. Yeah. I I have no good segue, but do you want to talk about this pervy episode? <laughs> First I'm gonna ask you a question. Oh yes. Go on. Yes, I do want to talk about this pervy episode. I meant to review my notes to sort of re-familiarize myself. I did too, and then I didn't do but it. So it's going to be fun. I kind of watched the show a couple times, one and a half times. So I think I'll be okay. I saw it like and... three. I just kept watching it over and over again. Oh my God. What were we just talking about? Wayne, yellow, demented, mask, Javex bottles. Javex bottles. Ribs. You were going to ask me a question. You said, I'm going to ask this you. This I'll a ask you. Okay. It has nothing to do with what I was just talking about, but here we go. Oh. What is your <laughs> philosophy surrounding secondhand clothes? Oh, I'm all for them. Oh, yeah? Really? Oh, yeah. Big fan. All of Wayne's clothes really? are secondhand. Yeah. What about you? Me personally? I don't really yes, ever... You. Oh, you're talking about me. Yeah. Who cares about the kid? It's always secondhand. I'm perfectly fine. I just, I, I have no problem with secondhand clothing for myself. I just have never yeah. really gotten it, if that makes sense. Like I used to, when I was right. in university, my friends and I would go down to like Valley Village or whatever, but more recently, I haven't gone to like Valley Village or anything. Hmm. Okay. What is your philosophy? I've been buying secondhand clothes all my life like basically basically yeah. because i'm i was always poor and we always went to the salvation army here in new brunswick or there's a place that's very famous called frenchies back in the day you'd walk in and there's bins of just clothes that you'd have to dig through yeah it would cost like a dollar two dollars and then salvation army would have deals where you could fill a garbage bag for five bucks and yeah. then when I moved to Ontario, they have Value Village, which is not really the greatest value anymore. No. Um, 
They charge us so much money. So today, Greg and I went to our favorite place in Sackville, which is the Salvation Army. I always find the coolest shit at this place. Anyway. Yeah. I haven't had this kind of success in a long time when I bought clothing. So I bought a pair of jeans. I bought a, bought a pair of like gap khakis. Oh, and nice. I bought a little skirt. And they all fit. Perfect. It's shy. It doesn't always happen, Brittany. And if you're someone no. who, anybody out there who listens, who buys secondhand clothing and listens to our show will understand what I'm saying. Getting something that fits perfectly and like is, you can integrate immediately into your wardrobe is very rare. So, especially True. when you're big, old, all those things that I am, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm at the size that I used to be, you know? I feel like just generally to you, I especially see it with Wayne's clothes, but also with adult clothing, like a size eight in one brand is like a size 12 in another or a size four yeah. in another. It's like all yeah. over the place. Wayne's clothes. Like it's ridiculous. I'm so glad that we do have secondhand clothing for him because otherwise I would be losing my goddamn mind because he has some shirts that are like 18 months and they fit him perfectly. And then he has other shirts right. that are three T. So they're for a three-year-old. Yeah. That is a year and a half difference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how do these fit the same? This is, should not be the case. <laughs> no, that is crazy. It's the same thing for clothes too. Like adult clothes, yeah. I feel like it depends on the manufacturer. Like with the khakis I bought from Gap, I have good luck with Gap pants generally. Like I know what companies fit me. Yeah. But they're this light, summery khaki in this pale Ooh. color, and I love the pink, and it's, they're so cute. They're super, like, I love them. You have to send Anything, a picture. Like, that sounds so nice. Preppy. I'll do a fashion show. Fashion, fashion show. show. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what like Erica, Hall, uh, Erica Hall's family always does whenever somebody goes out and buys clothes or at Christmas or birthdays. Or they insist on everybody trying on their clothes and they go, fashion I do that to show. Mark. Fashion <laughs> show. Whenever Mark buys new clothes, I'm like, fashion show. <laughs> <laughs> Greg does that too. When I get it, especially when I buy a bikini, he's like, fashion show. <laughs> right now. Right now, I want to see it on now. Yeah, anyway, it's just funny. Okay, so you're not you're not as much of a. Uh, what would I say? I'm not like I a feel thrifter, I guess, but I probably should. I'm like a thrifty lady, and I'm a connoisseur. I know what I'm looking for. I know what to look for. Yeah, in terms of quality, especially with clothing, and then also with housewares, you got to look for the good stuff, and yeah. you know, get the deals. That's where I like to go. That's why I like to do it because it's like it's good stuff all right so let's welcome everybody to today to our lovely show to Squintcast. my name is kelly i'm Brittany, and today we are going to be talking about uh bones season three episode two the soccer mom in the minivan okay <laughs> first things first Two yes. titles, first two episodes, too long. There's something going on with the titles so far. I hope they're not all like this. I think they might be. <laughs> I think like, when I was looking, 
Because you like, know, I always the colonel in the corner with the candle and the knife, and anyway, it's just like okay. Oh no, they get shorter. I lied. They get shorter. Okay. Death in They're the very, saddle like... is the next episode. Oh, I'm excited. I'm I'm like uh, these are like clue names, clue titles it from is. The, the game Clue. <laughs> The soccer mom in the minivan, although that's the victim, I guess. But let's okay, go. let's talk about the director. What's going on? Who is it? Okay, I need you to know who the director is because he directed your favorite episode so far, The Man and the Bear. This is <laughs> Alan Croker. Yes, 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 yes. Fellow Canadian. Fellow Canadian. Yes. And he made some interesting directorial decisions. I agree. I'm very disappointed in Alan today. <laughs> um yeah, so we're gonna talk about that. I also I didn't realize I want to know. Directed... Oh sorry, yeah, go on. You have the script. What does the do. script say about these things? I wanna know. If it actually says Hodgins looks, stares at this, Hodgins does this, does that. You know what I mean? Like, when is there get... actual. I don't remember. In the script. And is that script based on the actual script or is it just someone like. No, this is it? just someone making some comments, I think, because I don't think I saw anything about that. At least I added my own notes. So I didn't. Now I'm trying to. I'm trying to skip. You know what I'm asking, right? I know. Oh yeah. I'm just trying to skip ahead. To like a this. stage oh, direction, you know? Yeah. Um. No, it just says like staring at so and so. Yeah. When okay. they like zoom in on things, Jesus they do not comment thing. on it. Okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, okay. Anything else about our friend know. Alan? Just that? Um, yeah, no. He well, I, I'm sure we talked about this before. So he go he goes on to direct. He's he directs in total nine episodes. So he directed three in the first season: the man in the SUV, yeah. the man in the bear, two bodies in the lab, two bodies in the lab. These um, are very good episodes, by the way. Those are very good. This episode is good too. It's just a little pervy, but that's fine. The girl, it's not fine, but anyway, the girl in the gator in season two, and then he directs this episode, one more in season three, one more in season four, and then two in season five, and then that's it. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. He honestly, he directs a lot of, ep- a lot of shows that I really like. Like he directed quite a few Let's episodes of uh Castle, Crossing Jordan, Law and Order, and I'm just using <laughs> We have we've already talked about this, I guess, before. No, I don't yes, see we have. I don't see Castle on here. Chuck for sure. I'm joking. I'm joking because we always those are all my favorite <laughs> shows. Direct though. the same ones, yeah. Um they he did direct, direct a bunch of episodes of Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise. Oh. 13 episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Voyager. Did you see Voyager? What? That's where I started. I never saw it. 
That's the really? best one. Yeah. Your oh, favorite okay. Deep Space Nine, I cannot get into though. No, my favorite's Next Generation. Next Generation is the OG. More I OG th- than the OG. The Next Generation is fantastic. If you like yeah. the Next Generation, we must have talked about this, but I'm being a pea brain. Have you seen Star Trek? Um, oh my God. What is going on? Why is my brain? The, the Which new one? Series, Strange New Worlds. Star- yeah. Strange New Worlds. Yeah. That see- this season of that show is like unbelievable. I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting till it finishes so that I can watch the whole thing. I think it's all done, actually. Uh, There's a few more episodes. Yeah, I like to wait so that I can binge it. It is, like, unbelievable. It is so good. I love the best series. Oh, so good. There's a whole Toronto episode, by the way. Yeah. It's all filmed in Toronto, yeah. It's yeah. crazy, but you're saying it's actually set there? Set in Toronto. They get, there's a situation, I won't say who it is. They end up in like okay. Dundas yeah. Square. Yeah. Dundas Square. And one of the people, there's two of them, and one of them is like, oh, yes, New York in this year. And she's like, have you never been to Canada before? This is Toronto, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's fantastic. It's so good. All right, I look forward to it okay. for sure. I'll get back into it. We're into we're in below deck, uh, universe vortex at the moment. Like at in at home here, Greg insists on watching these dumbass shows. He's just finished watching Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Oh my god, no, it's not so bad. Mark started watching it. He, I don't know why he likes it Mark so much. Can't get I'm enough. just like. I'm like, these people are so dumb. I can't. Like, Mark at one point, it um, to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you watch this? He's like, you need it. Like, the price, these people are going to leave with no money. But it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And the thing I get worked up about sometimes with this show in particular is how like heteronormative it is. And it's all like men and women hooking up together. And it's weird that they all sleep in the same room. And it's really weird. Like, it's just weird. Like this sort of chastity based, like this weird thing where they have to be chased and they can't kiss and they can't hold you. Like, it's strange. Did you, did he explain to you about the one guy who touched the other woman's breast? That whole drama. No. Oh, he's only like, let him he's ask like him. Five, he's like five episodes in. Oh, to the first season. Yeah. Oh them, well, we're. I'm talking season two, girl. Okay, yeah. never mind. At one point he, yesterday, I said to Greg, "I was like, you have to turn this off. These people are." so dumb my mind is starting to like turn into mush <laughs> but like okay when he touched her boob did the prize pot go down yes like, is that one of the things he's not allowed to do i'm assuming well i turned into this whole drama because she was like one of these people that they i can't believe i'm doing this right now <laughs> 
just having a moment of grief while I realize it's what I'm okay. We're going to be talking here. about a mother who drives a minivan in a second, so it's okay. Regardless, this woman she, she's late. She's a late comer, so she's brought in to sort of stir the pot. And a guy goes on a date with her that's already hooked up with this other girl, and they're in this relationship. I'm talking like, how long are these fucking relationships? Like a week or something, anyway, or less. And she yeah. tells him to touch his her boob. She says, "Touch it." And he what? does. And then I realized, like, near the end of the show that this guy's 20 years old. I was like, and you want him to be chased and, and hooked up and in a relationship? Like, let this guy fucking do whatever he wants. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? These people are, like, so young. I'm like, it's a weird, it's a weird, old antiquated thing that they're trying yeah. to teach them how to have like intimate you know emotional connections but it's a weird way to go about it i find it very strange that is it's very like odd. the whole love is blind thing love is blind is a whole other yeah. ball game yeah my sister loves that my sister also likes too hot to handle yes. i she's all about these these shows she like she her and like everyone i know they just love them i watch too like much star trek one. love is blind no. is funny have you watched Love, Love on the Spectrum? Is... No, I I keep trying to plug it. it. It's so good, Why? Mark, and I love that I show. It's so good. I can't do it. There's so it's many so below decks to watch. I don't know, man. True. Well, that's what I'm going to... You know what? Well, Mark is away. That's what I will do. I will watch below deck. If I You'd can access like it. like it, too. He would, but I got to like test it out for him, you know, just how, like how he tested it. Yeah, but it men love it. Men love it because they're on boats. Seriously, they're on True. boats. Oh. It's like boats, hose, boats and hose. It's just like, they just love it. <laughs> boats, hose. <laughs> boats That's and Brothers. It's not my, not my joke, guys. <laughs> I realize that. Boats and hose. Greg like loves that. <laughs> Boats and hose. Greg always sings that. So funny. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I like it. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about minivans and soccer moms. Okay. Okay. So you go start us off. We have a really interesting opening to this show. A lady pulls up to a soccer field in her minivan. She gets out of the car. To throw out a coffee cup and then looks at some kids playing, holds her necklace that has a locket with her smiling kids on it. And she goes, gets back in her car, backs up her car, and bang! There's an explosion. So, yeah. I guess it's important to note that when she does get back in the car, she there's a note that she tucks into her bag. Yes. Anyway, it explodes with the rest of her car. This is a very intense explosion. Yeah. And the poor children that are on that soccer field having to witness that. Yeah. It's a lot. Anyway, that's all. That's all I have to say. That's where we right. start. And during this intro, of course, they're playing this like, song by lou reed which i said mucho dinero i was like that costs money to put that song in there also 
explosions are very expensive as well. And yes, all oh the God, children yeah. are traumatized, incredibly traumatized. <laughs> but I love this transition, a directorial thing, I assume, where they go from this huge explosion and people screaming to sort of this transition into the next scene where all of the uh, responders and the forensics team and the FBI yeah. have arrived. I really like that. And Booth. Booth and Brennan are on the scene and Booth's giving Brennan the gears because apparently our friend Caroline, Cher, Mochelle, he <laughs> pulled all these strings to make it so that Brennan could visit her father in prison and have like private private visitation privileges. And she hasn't taken advantage of them. And then Brennan's a little put out that she's being treated differently. Hmm. And she totally I'm is asking. She's a little bit. She's like, I don't want to be treated like I'm special. But also, I wrote down like, if she didn't ask for this, then why did they do it for her? Like, she didn't ask for anyone to do this for her, right? I and I, I don't think like it's this because, codependent sorry. behavior. No, I just don't like this codependency where they do stuff without her asking and then expect her to be grateful and like, yeah, she said, I never asked you to do this for me. Like, I'm not responsible. Yeah. Anyway, the did Booth ask Caroline? I have a feeling that Booth asked. That's my thinking because I think he feels very guilty about the fact that he arrested her. He put father. him in jail in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this, I think, is more for him than it is for her. So he's like, have you gone? Have you gone? How about now? Because it's like, if you go and things are good, then I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah, but that's, oh, yeah, I said, Booth's, Booth's codependence is showing. Oh. Like, I thought it was really, really funny. Anyway, he's oh, trying to encourage sure. her to visit. He's trying to encourage her to visit her father, uh, saying how she can give him a hug. While he's yeah. giving her a hug, like, he's he grabs Brennan, starts hugging her and goes, you could give him a hug. And then they see the crime scene and Booth is like disgusted, like all this disgusting stuff. What's what do they see, Brittany? They see a woman, that same lady that we saw before, but she is very charged. <laughs> She's in her mid to late or mid 40s to late 50s. Her pelvis indicates that she's given birth. So anyway, we already know all that. It, this is definitely a soccer mom. They think that maybe there was some sort of pipe bomb that was um, that caused the explosion. So they want to bring this van. Well, Brennan wants to bring this van back to the Jeffersonian so that they can look at it. But then the bomb techs can also look at it at the same time on location. Is there any surprise whatsoever that she wants this brought to the Jeffersonian? No. Is it idiotic that they would bring something before the bomb techs look at it, though? Yes, in my opinion. Like, why are they not? Why wouldn't you have the bomb techs look at it first and then transport the vehicle? Like, what if there's some, like, residual thing that's going to blow up? Anyway, this is a very weird sort of shoehorned in thing, isn't it? With this, and that she's giving this guy, he's like a really kind of nerdy FBI guy. And she's completely doming him. Yeah. <laughs> he can't even get a sentence in. No, he can't. He totally backs down. Anyway, did we talk about how Boo says that she's being too harsh? <laughs> uh, 
yeah, maybe you're being a little harsh. <laughs> I did not mention yeah. it. <laughs> but anyway, she is being a little harsh. When, She's being a little intense. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. during that exchange when he says, you know, maybe you're being a little too harsh because she was really kind of assertive with the FBI guy to get her way uh, to have the, the vehicle transported to the Jeffersonian. And he found a lock, the locket, the locket that you mentioned earlier, she found it in yeah. the car. She opens the locket. It's perfectly preserved photographs of Obviously. a young girl in a soccer uniform. Who would want to blow up a soccer mom? Who would want to blow up a soccer mom? Also, would you put a picture of your kid in a soccer uniform and a locket? Probably not. It doesn't seem like a traditional thing to do. But hey, we're not here to no. judge. This poor woman didn't have much of a, you know. Maybe she wasn't traditional. <laughs> Maybe. Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll never know, Brittany. Anyway. <laughs> After that, we have our intro. Can I say something? Yes. I listened to another podcast that's about this show, Bones Podcast, and it's these oh. two women. It's not, I can't seem to find them anymore. I don't know that they're publishing episodes anymore, but they're two women that went to, they were in university or something at the time, like a, it was a couple years ago, and they weren't talking about the episodes in order like we are, but every time, like they have very similar uh, thoughts that we do about everybody and stuff. And um, yeah. they always, one of them always sings the Law and Order theme. No. Yes. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> when they did that, I was like, like, I don't agree with everything they say, obviously, like everybody's different. But yeah. Um, I think they're like fans of Hodgins or something like that, regardless. Um, oh, awful. How, how could they? <laughs> I love that you don't like them. It's so funny. <laughs> I have, I have for this episode, okay? Matt, <laughs> he'll never redeem himself. I'm telling you, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. No, he does. He does for sure. Anyway, they have different thoughts on some things and similar thoughts on others. And they all, one of them, they always like to sing the Law and Order theme as their intro. It's pretty funny. I love that. I loved it too. I thought it was That's really, so really interesting. Great. Yeah. Oh my god. I have to look um, this up. Okay. Yes. I think right. we need to talk We're... about this scene. All right. So <laughs> here we go. We're back at the lab. Back to the lab. The van from the crime scene that was blown up 
with the body parts in it is parked just below our usual platform area. And I was thinking the receiving area for the Jeffersonian must be huge. The doors must be massive to drive this van into this little lab, which doesn't seem to have wide enough hallways for this, but okay, okay. Well, even think about the fact that they brought that Gormagon thing into the basement. Yeah. Also, it's just like Doctor Who's spaceship. It's like Doctor Who's spaceship. It just, it's never ending how huge the Jeffersonian is. Apparently, they have room for this shit. Regardless, Angela bounces in with her ponytail. She does this. She's wearing a ponytail in this episode. It's like bouncing around like da, da, da. And she's looking for a skull only like so that she can do a, a facial recognition thing or facial reconstruction. She's very disappointed to see that it's been blown to pieces. And I just wrote in my notes, it was an explosion. Like it exploded. So. What did they tell you over the phone? But the locket stayed in good condition. This is okay. We're not <laughs> going to talk about how the fuck that locket with pieces of paper inside of it was perfectly fine. I'm telling you, I need to know the manufacturer of this locket because that's pretty good stuff. Anyway, next. Brennan gives Hodgins the steering wheel with these hands attached. Like the hands are sort of disembodied and they're attached, sort of glued to the wheel. So he can check them for particulates. And I, Hodgins is inside this Explodo van and he's going on and on about how awesome he is compared to the bomb tech the government's going to send. And he calls the bomb tech a, a government bureaucrat and that. And then Angela says, well, actually, you're a government bureaucrat as well. And then Hodgins is like, meh, meh, meh. he's trying to be a rebe rebel in the back of the van. And then Cam struts into the room and she goes, get the fuck out of the van, Hodgins. Like the bomb tech <laughs> has to do is their work. Like you can't be sitting there mussing up everything. And he's like arguing with her. Like Hodgins, seriously, I was like already mad at him. And then what happened, Brittany? Well, Agent Frost comes in hot ah sorry i thought that was a hilarious joke but that's fine um so agent frost comes in and this is a reasonably attractive woman that they're presenting as this very hot tamale who is a bomb tech and hodgins can barely put two words together all he does is stare at her boobs and how do we know because the camera hands to her boobs multiple times in this episode listen this is where i get crazy because this woman she's very cute she's called a bombshell throughout this whole episode this throws hodgins into a hizzy oh yeah gets thrown into a hizzy like you said the first shot is of her breasticles so they got this breasticle shot. Hodgins cannot get over. It's like he's never seen boobs. And I'm just going to say this. I just need you to know this. I want to remind everybody that's listening, including you, Brittany, that Hodgins is a billionaire. He's infinitely more rich than Leonardo DiCaprio. Do you think that Leo goes around going... Aruba! every time he sees a pair of boobs well maybe he's more like a donald trump 
who just wants to go oh, by the oh, 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 oh. Hodgins is really? like beside himself. You <laughs> cannot believe this is happening. He's like a 13-year-old boy who's seen seeing like softcore porn late at night Un- on the TV. Believable. <laughs> like this is it's gonna so be bad. our B plot. This is our B plot. <laughs> like basically, this is the B plot. Hodgins is being a creep. Angela is letting him be a creep. Angela then is coming- in the room. <laughs> no, but this is the B plot. Hodgins being a creep. Angela letting him be a creep. Hodgins coming to the realization that Angela's awesome because she lets him be a creep. What the hell is this relationship? She's still married to someone else. So, anyway, so Frost Go is. On. <laughs> Hodgins is, well, Frost is trying to work, but she was in some very important meeting that Booth pulled her out of. Apparently, she's a very fancy bomb tech. So, they're chatting. Hodgins can barely get his crap together to even form a sentence. And then Angela's like, uh, cough, cough. I'm right here. What the fuck? And Angela. And so he goes, oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's do these things. And yeah, that'll save some time for uh, Angela and I to go to dinner alone. Yep. We're going to do that. Anyway, they don't have a license plate because it was destroyed from the bomb. They were able to. But the locket was fine. Locket was fine, but license plate was gone. So they actually do have an owner of this vehicle. It's registered to Jeremy Nash in Culpeper, yes. Virginia. Uh-huh. Why is it not registered to the soccer mom? I sense sexism. Anyway, so uh-huh. um, so they got to go to Virginia because they go they have to go talk to Jeremy Nash. Anyway, there's apparently a photo album in this car as well although most of the pictures are burned but they do have a photo that could be this guy nash anyway there's all this stuff packed in the car that makes them think that perhaps the soccer mom was going to leave her husband so basically they got to go and talk to the husband and figure out what's going on and that's kind of where we end well, um oh booth wants brendan, brendan to go with go him see to your interview. Father. yeah sorry booth go on. wants booth wanted brendan to come with him to interview the husband and she said she can't because she's gonna go see her father in prison and he's like you're gonna go see him now now you're gonna go see him and she's like well you said it you and caroline made it so i could visit him like she's like anyway yeah she's like uh didn't you want this but i don't know i think she's funny she's she's doing this thing where she's not putting up with his uh yeah that codependency yeah Mm -hmm. it's interesting well brennan does go to visit max in prison yes tell me more let me talk about this, please, because I need to say some things Go about on. this visit. Brennan is visiting her father. Max is being weirdly sheepish and pathetic. And he's trying to put on like this little nice sauce with Brennan, but she's not having it. So they have this little tiff. A little like barbs are thrown at each other. 
uh, anyway, he, he ends up trying to manipulate her emotionally by playing a card game with her that with cards that she brought him and she just ups and leaves. So they have this like really difficult exchange and she's like so over it. And I'm so happy. This makes me so happy. Like how she's behaving because I'm like, he deserves all of this. Yeah. She actually stands up to him a bit. And even to the point yes. where like she, he wants to play cards and she's like, why would I want to play cards with you? You always beat me. And a good yes. father would have let me win occasionally. Yes. Right. And he's like, got an excuse for everything. Well, you should, you needed to earn it. That's why I'm, I'm the reason you're so good at your job. Oh my That's God. So this guy, this guy is, I can't with Max. Like I love Ryan O'Neill. Like I've said this before, but this yeah. character, seriously, what a dick. And also he does this thing when she gets up to leave where he says he wants socks. So she has to come back. Yes. Yes. Otherwise, that would have been like, okay, bye. Here's your cards. Bye. Like, See ya. seriously. Oh, my God. Yeah. Makes me so mad. Makes me so mad. Well, we meet Jeremy Nash. Booth goes to question him at his home. And this guy is like, seems to be totally surprised that his wife was killed in a bombing. There's not a lot. He seems basically he plays the part of a very upset, distraught, loving husband who has a daughter. He doesn't know how he's going to tell. You didn't think he seemed very loving? No? He looked mad. Like he was he was good at being angry. But yeah. like, don't you think if somebody showed up at your house and they told you that your partner blew up, like it would just be shocking, right? You'd be completely shocked. I would be and so he, yeah, he he does go on the defensive a little bit. Like he tells, he kind of yells at Booth a little bit. And he's trying to ask. He's basically trying to get at, Booth is trying to get at, like she had a lot of personal stuff in her car. Um, Like maybe she was leaving you, kind of like insinuating. Yeah. Him. And he just cuts, yeah. he completely cuts Booth off and is like, you're the FBI. How do you not know who did this? Blah, 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 blah. Like, also, really you're the FBI, him. and the reason she had all that shit is because it was shit she was bringing to their daughter in university. And yeah. the FBI should know that. They should look it up. Like, it's not hard. Yeah. This kind of detective work is like basic, 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 you know? I agree. You're <laughs> Brittany's eating popcorn. Anyway, I had, back I had at the a bite lab. Of popcorn. <laughs> Here we go. Back to the lab. Back at the lab. So anyway, we have Zach using his flesh-eating beetles to eat away at the victim's flesh, so that any metal, shrapnel, etc., will be left behind. Zach tells the bomb tech, who is super fascinated with this whole process, like she's looking at the beetles eat the flesh, and she's totally fascinated. And Zach tells her that they're his beetles. And she goes, that does not surprise me. Like, she's not surprised at all. And then Brennan walks into this, the I guess it's Zach and Hodgins' room where they do all their experiments and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Hodgins starts asking her about her visit with her father and she cuts him off and is like, you know, we're not talking about this here. It's not relevant. Yeah. And then Also totally Brennan's- inappropriate at work to 
begin with, but especially totally inappropriate in front of. I'm loving, I'm loving the boundaries. The boundaries are great. I'm loving it. Boundaries with Booth, boundaries with Hodgins, boundaries with her dad. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So, um, Brendan starts being a taskmaster and asks Zach about the woman's shoulder showing signs of damage. She then asks if the, asks if the bomb tech has figured out what sort of bomb was used. And she says she's waiting for more uh, results through, she has to look through some more debris. And then she points out that Hodgins isn't doing anything. He's just standing there next to the bomb tech. (laughs) He's like, so I guess that means Hodgins, you're, what are you doing? What the hell are you doing here? You know? And he gets so flustered. And like, this is after Hodgins basically has to control his breathing being around oh, this yeah, bomb he's tech. barely keeping it together it's like he can't what is he gonna do honestly Brittany, i'm gonna say something really probably controversial but like what what is he gonna do attack her like what is no, he can't control not, himself that's not controversial at all because that's like he's acting question. like he can't hold himself back he's yeah, acting he's like, like oh, so crazy oh, oh. he basically is one like one small step away from drooling on her it is so oh, gross. Like, what is going on here? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe the director. What if the director doesn't like TJ Tyne? <laughs> You're jumping all over this theory. It is making him do this stuff to make him look bad. Maybe it's just a, I'm just asking the question. It's a all. good theory. Well, Hodgins gets so <laughs> flustered and is like, "Oh, blah, blah. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go work uh, uh, some other place really hard. I'm gonna work hard as uh, in, in another location." And then he like walks off and <laughs> is so awkward. Anyway, okay, where does he go? Perhaps he goes to t- talk to Angela, who confirms that the bomb from the bomb squad. She's totally hot she basically is like basically exactly what you said earlier she's like okay hodgins yes this girl is hot yes things are happening in your pants but they need to stay in your pants that's where we draw the line and then they kiss and they make up and it's like what no so gross if mark were acting like so, this and if the, yeah, i'd be like no. if mark was acting i'd be like what the fuck is wrong with you what's wrong with you no like he goes down and he's like saying to her like oh shucks golly gee i can't help myself like he's acting like oh i can't it's just too much man and she's basically giving him permission to be gross it makes no sense (laughs) And that makes him okay. happy. It's like, I'm so attracted to you because you make you let me be a creep. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're the hot one. You're totally hot. It's like, what? <laughs> no. Anyway. Oh my God. Found some stuff, um, some singed pieces of paper that were found in the van. She show she or he's showing her some papers that were found in the victim's bag. And there's writing on them. Yes. And he's basically bringing them from Cam to have her restore them to figure out what was written on the pieces of paper. Yes. 
So the pieces of paper are little pieces of paper and they're like sitting on a piece of paper and you have to put them together yes. like a puzzle. Like not less than like 10 minutes ago, she basically told us that she doesn't like puzzles when she was confronted with a blown up skull. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> what's the difference? I feel like I feel like her whole job is puzzles. <laughs> it's like anyway. she's down there deciphering ancient whatever aramaic or something isn't she yeah in the basement with the gargamon yeah. or whatever yeah uh, we don't know the name of the guy the friggin cannibal guy the cannibal guy he yeah yeah isn't she deciphering a bunch of stuff that's down yeah for sure she literally does puzzles for a living so that's stupid get it yeah there angela <laughs> so booth and brennan are walking through the hall of the lab and we find out a couple things. Basically, Booth is giving Brennan an update on where he was and what's going on. So, and he kind of sympathizes with this Nash guy saying, like, how are you, how do you even tell your kid that their mother just got blown up? Like, how do you even do that? And anyway, so Brennan, that's his update. And Brennan is like, yeah, I got to get my dad's socks. My the visit was good and I need to get him socks. <laughs> so that's the extent of that um update. Yes. Wow. This is amazing. Brennan is speaking my language in the scene because when he asks <laughs> when when Bruce asks how her father is, she basically says he's a con man. He's always fearful. Like it doesn't matter anything. Yeah. He's always cheerful because he's a con man. So, yeah, I'm just like, I still Which, want to remind nice everybody she sees this. I just want to remind everyone that this man abandoned her when she was 15. I think she, he brainwashed their mother into following him like a cult leader. And she just did whatever she, he said. Totally agree. And she had to go live in a foster home because her brother also abandoned her. And she thought they were lost and dead forever. And he never sent her a dime, like, during all that time. Yeah. And I just feel like Booth, Booth is really pushing this relationship with her father. Yeah. I think he should back off. He's projecting so too. too much. He's projecting too much of his yeah. own, like, father feelings on her and comparing the Explodo lady, like, the soccer mom yeah, being in her daughter's life versus Brendan being her. Anyway, he's comparing yeah. the two way too much. I don't like it. He's. I honestly think I like I said before. I think he's pushing this so much because he needs to feel better about the fact that he arrested her father, and he needs to get that like validation that she's okay. Yeah, it's called codependency, folks. Definitely. Well, Hodgin saves the day and interrupts the super awkward conversation. Yeah. And they appear to have found some sort of homemade tattoo on this woman's, on this soccer mom's skin. Um, and Angela was working on recreating the design. So I guess we got to go and see Angela. Yes. And it turns out, kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but it turns out they, they are going through these images, blah, blah, blah. And Hodgins points yes. out once they kind of see what's there. That there's a fist in the middle of a star, which is the, yes. the symbol for the National Liberation Army, which was a student radical group in the 70s. 
And they I'm would just going to say that off. again. The National Liberation Army. So they initially think it's an inverted pentagram. It's a, it's like this upside down star. It's got a fist in the middle. It is the symbol for National Liberation Army, NLA. And they're realizing if Hodgins is like so impressed by this, he's like, oh my God, this soccer mom was a member of these like student radicals in the 70s who set off bombs in army recruiting offices. They torched cop mm-hmm. cars. And they also shot and killed a cop in 1975 and then disappeared. Right. So So 30 years ago, this soccer bomb was involved in a botched robbery where a cop got killed and she went on the run. She changed her name. Her real name is not Nash. It's June Harris. Exactly. So crazy they put the two photos beside each other the 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 photo from the 70s and then a photo of what she looks like now Mm -hmm. and it's like whoa crazy man (laughs) sort of like my baby picture and me exactly same 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 so all right caroline is pissed there's no sherry being said here. here yes She's on the forensics platform. Yes. Tell me about the security Before she gets there, she storms into the Jeffersonian. She's so mad. She walks up the stairs and she sets off the alarm. And then guess who's there to swipe his card? But security guard number one, my favorite (laughs) security guard from season one. He's a regular. He's getting a paycheck. He's a series extra that just keeps coming back he's a consistent guy who's always there to help with the security system on the platform i'm so happy cares about the security of the jeffersonian i'm so this guy is great i love people who get these jobs we've talked about this before i would love a job like this just show up just wear the uniform swipe the card and go mumble mumble rhubarb 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 it's the best it's the best i have i've told you before i have a client who does that right yes he's a professional extra it is so cool to hear all about the stories like at tax time i get to hear some of the stuff that he does on set i'm like that's so cool i knew a guy who did that too He played like on a sci-fi show once and they would just sit around in their weird costumes playing cards at lunch and stuff. It was just funny. (laughs) It's so cool. So, okay. Caroline, not happy. Why is she mad? Why is she mad? Why is she mad? She is mad because June Harris was actually turning herself in 30 years later. And it was Caroline herself that arranged with her attorney for the surrender And on Thursday, who knows what day it is today, but on Thursday, she was going to say goodbye to her family and be delivered for the surrender. And she was only going to get nine years because they just really wanted her very badly, even though they thought that she was the one that killed the cop. So we find out this guy, Sam Riley, was the lead on the case for 30 years, and he has no idea about this plea deal. So there's a few new people we're finding out about. A few new facts we're finding out about. It is a little crazy. And that's basically all that I have. I think Brennan gives some instruction about Zach do this. 
Hodgins do this. And by the way, Zach and I have to do these things, so I can't come with you, Booth. Sorry. Listen. listen. <laughs> Booth is getting on my last nerve in this episode. I, there's something about him, like, he starts having this little battle with Caroline. It's like the law versus Booth and his self-righteous attitude. Yeah. He's so mad totally. that Caroline didn't inform the man who's case it was in the first place it was not informed of this deal that she made and then Caroline wants them to talk to june harris's lawyer who is this big shot guy named hunsinger who was involved in the chicago 7 trial hodgins is so excited about this guy because he's like he's like renowned as this like rebellious sort of shit stirrer then booth calls hodgins a go and I was like, what the hell is this reality we're living in? Anyway, Booth wants to tell the detective Sam you mentioned earlier about, like, yeah. break the news to him that all this has happened. Like, they made a deal. She's dead. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And he wants Brennan to go with them, but she has to go deliver these fucking socks. Yeah, she has to get the socks. She's got to do some work with Zach. And so basically, <laughs> Caroline is basically pulling Booth away from her. And yeah. he's and telling her to leave her be, leave and be. Yeah. And then says, absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> as, as Booth is being like yanked away going, socks? You have to get socks? <laughs> so I just love that. I thought that was hilarious. Okay. There's okay. lots of scenes that kind of go into it. Like, we don't have a lot of scenes in between that. No. Where they're going from the end of the last scene is where they end up, which is kind of nice. Yes, like, it's, there's it's quite actually, a nice flow here. It's very clippy, very fast paced. And also, there's a lot of like very heated, a lot of heated like arguments. And just, yeah, yeah it's people are very upset. I have a question Definitely. after we uh, we meet our friend at the FBI. Okay. We're going to meet Agent Sam Riley, the guy who worked the case for 30 years. And he is pissed. He is pissed with Caroline. He is pissed with Booth, which is ridiculous because Booth just found out about this about three seconds ago. But he basically is like, are you serious? You didn't give even give me a phone call? Like, I, I could have at least had... Out of you could have at least given me a phone call. Anyway, Caroline slaps him around a bit, not actually, but with her words. And yes. uh, Booth is like, "What did she say?" Uh, she after says, Caroline uh, leaves, "She basically is oh, like, why don't you stop your whining says, and help?" It tells him that I, he's acting like a a little girl. Yeah, and then she calls him little share. girl. She calls him Sherry at the end of it. I love Caroline. Yeah. Okay, share. I love her. She puts people in their place and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I have a question. And then leaves. Yes. Oh, yeah. She has. She's totally over it. Um, she's got shit to do. Caroline doesn't have time to coddle Sam's emotions right no. now. She's exactly. like, I have work to do. There's things to be done. This is everything's. The shit has hit the fan and we're in crisis mode. Anyway. Do you think Caroline is a feminist? Yes. Okay. Just checking. 
What's your opinion? How could she not be, right? I mean, she did yeah, she did say she he is. was acting like a little girl. I had an issue with that line, but that's not Yeah. Uh, just that's a, a sign speech, of the times. Yeah. But I think you have you she would have to be a fem- feminist, I think, to have that role when she did. Because she's not she is not like a, she's not a young attorney. She's been working no. for quite a while, and for her to have exactly. risen to the place that she is at her age, she would have been one of very few women when she first started. So, I think so. Well, we get to sorry. Yes, what's up? I just want to mention that our friend Sam Riley, you said, is played by a person named Ron Canada. Ron Canada is a person who's been working for a long time. He also played a very prominent role in a Star Trek series. We were talking Star Trek earlier. Um, I think he was in maybe Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Regardless, Ron Cannon has been around. And when we were, Greg was watching this with me, and every time we saw him, Greg would go, Ron Canada! Ron <laughs> Canada! Every time we saw why what where is he born is he from canada that would be really helpful i don't don't think so he's been in the business for 40 years man i don't know where the hell he's from i can look it up anyway what's next 155 acting credits no he everybody knows i'm so glad you looked this up and pointed this out Everybody well, knows in Ron Canada. What? Wow. Okay. The anyway. strain. Okay. Yeah. He's awesome. He's American, and he looks. Anyway, okay. he's on the. He's been in the FBI for a long, long time. I just want to say this before we get into yes. the next scene, because Caroline is over it. Tells Sam off. Leaves with Booth. Then the next scene, we have June Harris's lawyer at the FBI in an interrogation room question why is a lawyer being interrogated i think so right away right away first of all not okay like let's take a step back this guy the first time i watched it the first go around with this show i could not figure out who this guy was yeah I did not put two and two together that this was supposed to be the lawyer of June Harris. Yeah, I know. This guy does not have the traditional appearance of a lawyer on a typical police procedural. Yeah. He is not dressed up in a suit. He looks like a wreck. He actually has brought toothpaste and stuff with him because apparently he regularly gets thrown in jail. Yeah. Um. So he at, isn't even wearing a belt. No belt. No laces. He has a toothbrush. A change of underwear. He's prepared just to be thrown in jail. So I thought that th- that was kind of interesting. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they they ask him a bunch of questions. I don't even know why June was using this guy. Sorry, I have to cough. Because he's Hunsinger. He was part of the Chicago 7. Do you know the story of the Chicago 7? I have heard of it as like a big thing, but I don't know the full story. Okay. 
I will. This have to actor's been around a long, long time. Oh, really? Well, yes. Okay. So they he knows that um, June Harris is dead. He's saying that's nice that um, you want information for me, but attorney-client privilege goes beyond her death. So I'm not telling you anything. Mm-hmm. And basically, we find out that the cop that was killed in the incident that June Harris was thought to have shot a gun at him and murdered him, um, he had a son. And that son has now become a cop. And that cop did not like the fact, I guess, that June Harris was working with this lawyer. Because he beat the crap out of Herzinger. And Herzinger has the bruises to show. So basically, we probably need to talk to this cop son. And um, oopsies, Sam was watching the whole time. And he gets super heated. And he runs into the room and he starts threatening him. And Herzinger acts in self-defense because he's being manhandled and he hits Sam. And that is enough to, to get him thrown in jail because he has hit a federal agent. On what basis? Are, are you allowed to manhandle a victim? Or oh, yeah. They, people get roughed up all the time, I'm sure. I'm sure people get roughed up in interrogation rooms all the time. It's it's just this guy is a rabble rouser and, you know, True. he's a very like 60s independent activist type dude. I don't think he looks bad. I think he just looks like one of those professorial intellectual types, you yeah. know. And, no, um, he doesn't look bad. He just doesn't look to me. Like well, a he's not a buttoned-up lawyer. He's to. wearing like yeah. a loose collar and a, like a tweed blazer and some casual pants. Like he's not, you know, dressed in a fancy suit or anything like that. But, no. Um, yeah, we're getting introduced to a lot of complications here. What with the yeah. cop that was shot and his son being a cop, and then Sam coming in and the lawyer and Caroline and Booth. It's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts here. So. Yeah. The plot thickens, regardless. The plot thickens, and then we're going to go against what I was just saying about them talking to a person that they were just, that it would seem like they would talk to next. And instead, we're going to go to prison and visit Max. (laughs) And uh, we have to check in with Brennan. We got to check in with Brennan. Brennan is a very nice daughter, even though Max does not deserve it. And he, she does, in fact, bring him socks. So, yeah, I, okay, this is, do you want to talk about this? Because I feel like this is a continuation of what you were already talking about. Yeah. Same line, same sort of train of thought. We have Max and Brennan visiting. He's admiring his new socks. He starts laying on the charm, starts speaking very remorsefully. And he kind of expects her to react really sympathetically immediately because he's acting like a nice guy for two seconds and he's complaining about how she's basically not being nice enough to him. And she's like, I'm here. He's so annoying. (laughs) He's really annoying. And I like her answer. Like I'm here. And I like, shut up. Like I came here. I brought you your fucking socks. 
and here you are not happy not you know it's not good enough great anyway so she uh he starts uh telling her about this prosecutor that he wants her to put in a good word for him basically and uh she starts what are you gonna say I would react the exact same way that Brennan does. 100%. He gets totally rubbed the wrong way. She's like, the only reason you're even talking to me, making an effort with me, apologizing to me, is so that you can butter me up so that you can use See the me garbage in my room? Again. Brittany can see the rest of my garbage here. There's my garbage. There's garbage everywhere. Anyway. There's no garbage. All good. I agree with you. Like, she's pissed because he, she feels like he's using her so that he can get out of jail sooner but also what use would she be she barely like, knows this guy she doesn't know him that well at all she's probably talked to him been in the same room with him like 10 times since who he came knows back right life. we're not privy to the his breaking into her apartment all the time or True. showing up at the diner when she's just trying to have a fucking cup of coffee regardless we told him off she tells him off and she storms out she's pissed. and we love it i love it i'm loving this new boundary boundaries brennan i'm gonna call her yes okay i need to talk about the next scene yes we're back please, with agent I frost can't, hottie can't frost so Agent Frost and Hodgins are chatting in Hodgins' work area. And <laughs> Agent Frost is like, oh, wow, you're such a surprise with all the things you know. You know so many things, blah, blah, blah. And Hodgins is like, oh, blah. I can't, I can barely keep my, keep my penis in my pants. And then, <laughs> anyway, I'm paraphrasing. These are not the actual words that they're saying. And then Agent Frost, now that they've, effect in her opinion finished with this air filter from the car she's like where do you want me to dump this like now that we have finished analyzing all this junk where do you want me to throw it out and he's like this is like the switch that he needed to his horny brain to make him realize that this is oh not God. just a set of boobs this is also a woman who has bad ideas and he's no longer interested in her at all because she's he's like, what are you talking about? Throw it out. I could use all this. This is a treasure trove of information. Like, get yeah. out of here. And turns to the security guard and is like, watch her. Don't let her touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it only took 14 scenes, but we finally don't have to deal with uh, Hodgins being a creep. So that's nice. <laughs> well, okay. But believe me, he'll have lots of chances to do it other times. He yeah. was acting weird, though. This character, I don't know why the director told her to do this. Like, what was she doing? Because in the scene, he was acting very weird. Like, when she used the microscope, when she used the computer, she was being very close to Hodgins. She was standing, sitting next to him, like, kind of rubbing up against him. You're muted, darling. You're muted. I hit it with my big nose. I was saying talking <laughs> close. Yeah, she's talking close and like rubbing up against him while she's looking things up on the computer. And I was just like, who does that? Like, 
That's so weird to do in that setting. Like, ask your sister. Your sister, I don't imagine she rubs up against people at the lab. No, definitely not. I, Are you plugging your computer in? With, yes, I am. I'm going to have a conversation <laughs> with her tonight. I can ask her about that because that's very strange, man. I'm going to send her a clip of this and be like, is this how you act with all the uh, people in your life? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. She's going to be like, what the hell? I would get fired if I did that. So, so what do we have? We have next okay. Zach and We've Cam are in the bone room. Right. So we have Zach and Cam in the bone room and he has told yes. her that June had been shot. Now, he doesn't know when she was shot, necessarily. Ba, 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 ba. See, I'm guessing at this point that the cop, that my guess is that the cop shot her in the 70s at the robbery, and then she shot the cop in self-defense. That's my initial theory here. So, that's basically where point, we're left, eh? the exact same thing. Oh, high five. Virtual high five. That <laughs> We're thinking the same thing. Great minds think alike. <laughs> so, yeah, that's basically, that's that whole scene with Zach. Zach and Cam don't play that big of a role in this episode very, like, at all, in my opinion. We don't get to see them very much. No. Um, Brennan and Booth are now at the FBI with Sam. And they're filling in Sam a little bit. And Sam does not like Brennan. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> and says things like, if I were a guy, I'd deck her. Because she's kind of standing up for what June Harris had done. And he is not really feeling that at all. Anyway. So basically they go into the interrogation room and they're going to talk to the son of the cop. So I don't know why Sam in this room this time, especially after he just acted with Hertzinger, but Sam is there with Booth yeah. and Brennan in this interrogation room, talking to this officer named officer Valenti. And they have credit card records that show that he bought gas near June Harris's home. So he it, it turns out that he had received a postmarked letter, an, uh, an apology letter, effectively. And he didn't know where it came from, but he knew the town that it came from. So that's why he went there, I guess. Right. This, this guy seems very, like, on edge. I can see Listen. maybe why. Yes. Tell me more. Can I just say this? Basically, Valenti went looking for her after receiving an apology letter from her. Then he went looking for Hunsinger, the lawyer, and beat him up. And I was thinking, like, I wrote that this guy is not doing well. He's not over his father's death. And, like, go to therapy, buddy. Like, figure it out. This guy's, like, 30. His dad died when, she, when he was five. Five. He was like, five. Obviously, that's horrible. But that's you're gonna go kill a woman. What are you gonna kill a woman that yeah, who's a mother and shit? Like, come on. No. It's insane. That was an excellent and way to summarize everything that just happened with this dude. 
Oh, also, Booth asked for Valenti's gun. He wants to examine the gun because they want to compare the bullet they found in June to his gun. And then Sam, I feel like Sam and Valenti, Sam Riley, the original investigator, and Valenti, the son of the cop, seem to have a very close relationship. Yeah. I don't know why. I think so. Why? I, I think that he kind of took him under his wing. Um, I think this is how I read it. Is he was yes. investigating this crime for so long and he was trying to bring yeah. justice to hit that guy's family right. to this cop's family. And so he would have gotten to know this kid as a five-year-old and like felt that he owed it to him because he couldn't solve the case, maybe. That's okay. how I read it. Yes. I'm not a cop. I'm not a cop. I what? don't know what it's I don't know what it's like. To have a case like this that is unsolved. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that's like. I'm sure it's annoying. But. Yeah. I just can't imagine a crime like this would be something that would haunt me necessarily. Like. No. You think Unless that the this... kind of. Sorry. Go on. Well, I just think the kind of crimes that would haunt. That seem to haunt cops that do talk about the stuff that I've heard about are ones that are like horrific, you know, murders of children or horrible, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it not I a botched thinking, robbery. What if Sam knew his father? Yeah, me. That's another thing that just occurred to me, too. Like, maybe he and Valenti Sr. were friends. Yeah. But I thought That's Valenti kind of was just a regular cop, not an FBI agent. Yeah. But anyway, it's irrelevant. I just thought regular, maybe he anyway, irrelevant. No, it is a good point. It's not like a child murder or something. Yeah. That's something that would absolutely destroy you. But he seems destroyed by it. It seems to really bother him that he hasn't been able to solve yeah, this. It's weird, right? Weird. So so we talked about Sam and Valenti having a very close relationship and how weird that is. And that Valenti was reluctant to, he's wants somebody to get a warrant to get his gun. But then, you know, of course, Booth and Sam convince him to give up his gun, like, cause it's ridiculous. So the next day we have, we're in Booth's office. So it was a very quick transition. From the interview yeah. with Valenti to the next scene, which is where Sam is casually perusing this ballistics report in Booth's office before Booth gets there. Like he's in Booth's, that, that's such an invasion, I feel. And then tells Booth that the bullet didn't come from Valenti's gun. So he feels very vindicated. And I have a question about like, how long does it take to get a ballistics report? And then Brennan. It's pissed because he says that Booth should have had that report before Sam because Booth is the lead on the invest on the case. Yeah. And then Sam, can you look at your script and tell me what he says to Brennan at this point? Because he says something really bad that I would have thought Booth would have punched him for saying it. He says, you know, Booth, she must be really good in bed. Because I can't see any other reason you keep her around here. So inappropriate. 
no like at that at that moment it should have been like i'm so surprised booth what? didn't rack him i was thought booth yeah. would him but and then brennan is like so pragmatic very good <laughs> Brennan's just very like doesn't even react. She's so like boundary lady. She's like so hilarious. Yeah. So before Booth can talk to Sam about protocol and everything, Sam tells Booth that the bullet actually matched the gun that was used at to to kill Valenti's father. So that means she tells me that her partner Neil Watkins who was at the robbery and screwed it up, he shot her. Yes. And then uh, then Sam starts acting really kind of pathetic, a little bit pathetic. Like, he's getting really pushy. 100% path feels, very pathetic. Well, he feels left out of the investigation. And it's because he's old and he's old. He's out of date. He's out of touch. He doesn't understand, yeah. like, what's going on. Regardless, I've just, um, that whole thing I felt was kind of disgraceful. That whole scene for, for yeah. Sam and Booth and then for Brennan to put up with it. I was just surprised, you know, for Brennan to put up with it and for her to be completely on, maybe it's not that surprising that she's not affected by it. She just yeah. is like, yeah, I am good in bed. Like, screw you. But <laughs> this is the this is a turning point for Sam, or at least for the at least for me, this is kind yeah. of a turning point where I'm like, Sam is getting way too involved in this. Yeah. He should not yeah. she he should not have been brought along to all these interviews. He tried to punch one guy out. Now he's being like so inappropriate with Brennan. So and Booth does try to set a boundary and is like, listen, as soon as I know something, you'll know Sam, but you gotta give me some space. So yeah. We now now we end up at the Nash residence and we find out a couple interesting details. We find out that um her husband Jeremy Nash had just found out a couple weeks ago about her real identity. And we also find out that their daughter Celia never found out about her real identity. We find out that Jeremy knew that she was talking to a federal prosecutor, tried to talk her out of it, but was unaware that she did make a plea deal. So basically admitting to aiding and abetting a fugitive. So that's great. Um, but that's basically as far as that's, that's, as, that's all the information that we get at this point. As far as we know, he does know about the old boyfriend. He's seen a picture of him. This is yeah. that's Watkins. But otherwise, that's it. He's seen a picture and doesn't know anything else about him. Yes, tell me, Kelly. Well, just after they have this conversation with the husband, we find out the husband is very team June. He's very into his wife. He's totally supporting. Yes. Like He says, I don't give a shit what she did. 30 years ago he would have you know gone along with whatever she wanted that's great i love to see it booth and brendan then ask if they can look around the house <laughs> and i was like i would kick them to the curb so fast i'd be like get the fuck out of here no you're not gonna look around my house 
Why would you? Why? Get out of here. Well, I'd be not, like, no. Not even because you're guilty. Just because it's like, why? Do you why? have a warrant? My wife is dead. What she are you looking for? <laughs> there's no, there's nothing here. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Every scene. So we're, we're back at the lab next. And every scene that we have back at the lab, every scene that we have with <laughs> Zach and Cam is just the two of them together. It seems there's not a lot of scenes with Zach or Cam separately. Yeah, they do event. They do come out every here and that every, every so often, but for the most part, it's Zach and Cam sticking together. So they discover now that they've looked a little bit. Now that Zach has looked at the bones a little bit more, they're figuring out that that. Um, shot that she had was actually completely bullet yeah grown the thank you words i'm (laughs) trying so the bullet hole that she had was actually completely bone the bone had completely grown over it and since we know which is very important that um kelly had pointed out that scene that it was the same gun the the bullet came from the same gun that killed the policeman man that was never recovered we now know or can assume that june harris was shot during the robbery which no, is very they say he says not only was it from the same gun it's the same bullet that called killed the cop yes that's the detail they find out is that what you were going to say i'm sorry no no yeah well that's okay i i have many details but that's an important detail <laughs> as well <laughs> So they, he also find they found microscopic particles as well in her on her in her left hand with the same degree yes. of remodeling. So it kind of paints a picture that this shot went through her hand and the same bullet went through her hand and through her shoulder. So they got to go look at the angulator clearly and mm-hmm. come up with some scenarios as to what happened and whether June was really the person who shot the rob the policeman i was gonna say shot the robber she was the robber do you want me do you want to tell me about the (laughs) angel but i didn't shoot the deputy no 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 we're on the same wavelength i was exactly i was thinking about the same okay i shot the sheriff um would you like to tell me about the angelator? Right. So next we're at the angelator and they figure out that June was emptying the safe during the robbery and Neil went to shoot the cop that interrupted them. She then stood between the gun and the cop and they all got shot at the same time. Hodgins walks in, tells them that Neil also made the bomb that went off in June's car since he was the bomb maker of the uh, National Liberation Army and always used the same methods make these bombs and they figure out that June was in contact with Neil told her about the deal she made with the prosecutor and they think he killed her because of it because he didn't want to make a deal he didn't want to get caught he didn't want to be you know yes involved so we have an American flag watch, an integral part of any Neil Watkins bomb. Da, 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 da. We also would have no idea where Neil Watkins lives if 
bomb lady had thrown out the air filter is Hodgins is like we can they're kind of like okay that's nice that we know that she was in contact with him but how the hell are we supposed to find Neil Watkins he's been underground so Hodgins is like well actually I have this air filter which will basically act as a GPS so we can find out where she's been ha take that bomb lady yeah so he's happy he kept that air filter for sure yeah, that's pretty great. Next, we have Booth impatiently waiting for Hodgins. Hodgins, his analysis, and then Brennan brings Booth a cup of coffee. He's very cheery about this coffee. It's like, oh wow, thank you. They have this thing now in season three where they're bringing each other coffee, like they did it in episode one. Remember at the end of the episode where he brought her a cup of coffee? She's bringing coffee. They're drinking coffee. And regardless scene because there is no coffee in there at all it is an empty cup and he's swimming in this cup around like <laughs> it should be spilling everywhere anyway, and then go booth, on booth kind of redeems himself a little bit by he broaches the subject of her father he apologizes to her for getting in the middle of it he tells him about the prosecutor situation booth tells her to cut his her father some slack and this is where he takes away the redemption that he just got for <laughs> apologizing he then says hey maybe you were right the first time that you shouldn't get in the middle of it and it's none of your business and i love brennan setting these boundaries i think it's phenomenal it's so great i love it it's really good she's very yeah, she's very, like, steadfast in her ways. She's like, you will not change my opinion. These are my opinions. No, but she's... Stop getting yeah, in my way. Yeah, but she's being, like, real hard-ass about it. She's being it's good, really, though. really, really, like... Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. I... I oh, I'm so sorry. I said that Hodgins <laughs> was done being a creep, but he's not. <laughs> so, although this is more Angela. So now that um, Bomb Lady is out of the picture um angela approaches hodgins while he's actually trying to do his job for once he's looking at the air filter so as you know as we just figured out brennan and booth are waiting on hodgins to do this analysis of the air filter to figure out where neil Watkins is and angela comes in and is like hey baby what hey. Uh, how are you doing hey well, I I, I'm I'm doing this analysis, but I'm really just running it through a computer, and that's going to take forever. So, do you want to go and bone? And Disgusting. again, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so basically, they end up making out. Long story short, at Hodgins' desk, and they're going to go down to some armor room. He has randomly a suit of armor, but most importantly, from this scene, he does actually figure out where neil Watkins is and he yells it out to booth and then he goes and makes out with angela yes listen Kelly. this is like weird foreplay or something oh god it's like too much. he goes and he gets all like looking at girls boobs then she says it's okay you can be a creep and then like come home and have sex with me or something i don't know she's just being weird oh yeah and like 
He basically says to her that he thought the bomb tech was annoying and her boobs are going to drag on the floor when she's 70. And she, like, okay, first of all, that's not true. Her boobs weren't that big, A, B. Like, what kind of, like, how is that? I just yeah. don't know how this is attractive. I just don't know how this is attractive no. to anyone. Are they and trying to I, imply that Angela is bisexual? I don't know. I think it's just, that's like a, the trait of like the party girl who's like, you know, really loose and just anything goes. And it's just, it's yeah. so annoying. And I basically think they're, yeah, they're going to go screw in a supply closet or something. Yeah, in some medieval storage room. So I, I guess hate they this relationship some, so much. It's, I hate it. When I watched Bones before I talked to you, you about loved it, it. I love this relationship. And I think it. I do love it in the long run, but mm, right now I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, stop Still acting like teenagers. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay. We're in Booth's car. Okay. Yes. We find out that for some reason, Booth and his infinite wisdom told Sam where Watkins is and he's going to meet them there. And Brennan is like, are you dumb? Like, no, he's too invested in this case. He's irrational, probably has male menopause <laughs> and goes on to discuss male menopause <laughs> and uh, then starts calling oh, so very testy. Funny. Greg was watching it with me when we were watching it. <laughs> when she was talking about male metaphors. <sighs> Booth gets so defensive. It's like, I'm only yeah. 35. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, but they also, like, they end the, the conversation talking about Viagra, and it just kind of ends. I'm like, why are we talking about Viagra It literally Viagra just right stops, now? because they, like, they literally, they they end up at the residence. Like, they end up at this dude's house, so they're like, oh, I guess our conversation's done. It just ends. Also, when this episode aired yes. on October 7th, 2007. David okay. Boreanis was 38 years, four months, and 17 days old. <laughs> I thought first, Mark and I, Mark also watched this episode with me, and Mark and I were like, he's not 35. There's I guess no way. I'm, now that I'm getting closer to 35, maybe I can't comprehend that he's 35, like that I'm that age. I'm only a few, like literally two years away from that, so... He just seems so much more mature than me. There's anyway. a really fast, sorry, there's a really fast spider Ooh. running around my desk right now. You know, those spiders, like there's different types, right? There's like yeah. the daddy long leg ones. And then there's like the sort of whitish clear ones that are always, always in your shower. Like, come on. I always feel they're bad because so I'm like, well, I don't like, I always tell them to get the fuck out because I'm going to wash them down the drain by mistake. I feel bad. I don't like to kill spiders. Then there's Same. the little jump, the jumpy ones. They're so cute. Oh my God. I love those <laughs> ones so much. I think they're so adorable. But this one's sort of like a fat one with short legs and he's really fast. Oh, I wonder what so kind I don't know he where he went. I have a feeling he's either on one side of my computer or 
He's made his way into the box where I put my microphone. So we'll see oh. where he ends up. He seems well, very exciting. Uh, sneaky and he's very fast. Like I just saw him on the wall on my left and he's already run across to this part of the room. I don't know how he got here. So <laughs> please. Keep anyway, on that Next note, time you see him, I want to know. Yes, we have arrived at the house. Yes. Yes, we have arrived at the house. And it's very quiet. Riley was supposed to meet them there. I guess they didn't see his car, which is kind of weird. And yes. so they both take out their guns. Brennan takes out her massive gun. <laughs> yes. And they walk Ruth in. Ruth makes a comment about the does. gun, though. He says, hey, why didn't you bring the big one? He's like, <laughs> And I, I took a second look. I was like, isn't that? Oh, he's joking. <laughs> Um, and then they walk into the room, they come around the corner and Sam is hovered over the body, standing over a, the dead body of Neil Watkins. And unfortunately it does not look very good for Sam in this moment. And Booth obviously has to arrest him because it looks like Sam has murdered Neil Watkins and he yes. has the motive to do so. Yep. So it does not look good. He hands his gun over and he insists that he didn't do anything and that he found him like that. Which is insane. And initially, so they're back at the lab in this autopsy room that KM works out of. And initially, it does seem like it is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But once they start looking... Once Zach and Brennan start looking at the hand x-ray, they start to realize that Neil Watkins had rheumatoid arthritis. So not only could he not have made the bomb, but through some hilarious testing that they do with Zach and tape on Zach's finger, um, they realize that he wouldn't even have been able to pull the trigger on the gun. So this, again, the evidence basically is all pointing towards Sam. Which is awful. I'm feeling so bad for Sam in this moment. Is he's it would appear that he is this desperate cop who finally found the guy he was looking for. Maybe there was a struggle, and then he tried to make it seem like he shot himself. But now they're realizing that he couldn't. So Booth talks to Sam in the interrogation room with Caroline present. And tells him out of respect i guess that they've determined that this was not a suicide and basically presents the evidence the way that we just talked about it that he had this 30-year obsession and he basically planted not only did he kill neil Watkins, but they're suggesting that he also made the bomb that killed june harris Right. And when they looked at the evidence locker, there was a ton of stuff missing, including some of the Sawyer Company American flag watches that were um, the ones that Neil Watkins used in all of his bombs that he created. Yeah. So Sam, again, he's still insisting he's innocent. 
Mm-hmm. But they're basically telling him at this point, you got to get yourself a lawyer because this doesn't look very good, whether you're innocent doesn't or not. look good at all, because he would have had access to the evidence locker. That's what they're suggesting, that he would have yeah. grabbed the watch, built the bomb, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So where are we? We are back at the lab and back at the lab. we have Hodgins who saves the day here. He found a fingerprint on the battery of the watch that was used to build the bomb. And the watch was actually bought from a collector more recently than the watch that was in an evidence. They compared like how a watch like that would deteriorate in the conditions it would have been in in the evidence room or, you know, in the box, in the bag, in the file or whatever, you know, way up on a shelf somewhere versus being, you know, cared for and owned by uh, a collector. So, turns out this fingerprint belongs to who, Brittany? Well, it's very unfortunate, but it would appear that this fingerprint belongs to Jeremy Nash, not Sam, which is crazy. And we've kind of got the motive a little bit because there was a letter that Angela walks in as they determine who this fingerprint belongs to. And she says that that letter is finally finished rendering and it's not not addressed to Neil Watkins. It's addressed to Celia, her daughter. Yes. And it is a, it was her way of telling her daughter what she had done and how she wants her to know that she loves her. And basically a letter that she was going to give her before she turns herself in. Right. Yeah. So it turns out that Mr. Nash was jealous because June was meeting with Neil Watkins, which is completely fucked up. But you know what's even more fucked up, Brittany? What? Booth and Brennan show up at the Nash's house on the day of (laughs) June's funeral. I wrote that. I was like, they couldn't have waited like literally even six hours. They present Celia with this fucking letter that June wrote to her. I wrote Jesus Christ in my notes because I was like, are you kidding me? Next, we have poor girl. Freaking Brendan narrating this letter or whatever. Somebody's narrating it. Yeah. Mr. Nash is being arrested. Celia is having a freaking mental nervous breakdown. And Brennan is the person who is trying to comfort her, interestingly enough. Brennan is comforting Celia. Like, they can't (laughs) even put this woman in the ground. Whatever pieces of her are left, they can't even put parts of her in the ground before they have to take this guy away. It's absolutely brutal. And then during the scene, it's sort of like a montage scene. They got the song playing in the background, blah, blah, blah. We transition, and and then we go to the jail where Brennan's playing cards with her father. Now, this game they're playing, everybody says it's a certain game, but he mentioned it earlier and he called it Blitz. Yes, Blitz. Now, it could be war, right? But also, That's what I, it reminded me. It looks me, like it is. Okay, because it reminded me of Dutch Blitz, even the way that they were playing yeah. it. Dutch Blitz is a crazy fast game, too. I love that game. 
I, you would be great at it because you're super really good with numbers. Luke is a genius. I've talked about this before. Like he yeah. has a way of reading cards that I've never yeah. seen anybody do. He's got like a, a beautiful mind. <laughs> Seriously, though, that have... movie, although maybe not. Yeah. Is, no, maybe he's that was a bad analogy. Mentally... I think that no, it's not being, good. He's schizophrenic. No. Yeah, he's a schizophrenic. No, still not good. No, autistic, <laughs> he's just very good. smart. Let's just stick with that. <laughs> Luke is very smart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, well, isn't he like literally a nuclear engineer? He's literally a nuclear engineer. Yes. <laughs> you That's have weird. to be a genius to do that. I think for sure. It's so weird, it's amazing. man. So then what do we have? We have Sam going into Booth's office to open a bottle of scotch that he'd been saving since uh, 1975 to celebrate wrapping the case. And this is where I wrote, I guess Booth does drink. Yes. We've been questioning that. Because remember he was he had like a glass of milk at a bar once? <laughs> Brutal. And this so. is where we also see Brendan and her father still playing cards. Still playing cards. And then finally, Drunk Booth and Brennan meet up in the middle of the night at the Lincoln Memorial. It's it's such a Uh weird. Booth is absolutely plastered out of his mind. Yeah. And they're chatting about, they're kind of, mainly Brennan is updating her, updating Booth on her life a little bit talking how about did he meet her there her father. did he drive there did he drive I to meet her surely there? hope not maybe she drove him maybe she needed a but ride why? Maybe he needed a ride why why is she picking him up and stopping to have coffee at the lincoln memorial it's weird it's weird. so weird it makes no sense whatsoever but he basically tells her that sam really doesn't like her and no kidding we already knew that <laughs> um and then he feels bad because he feels like it was rude but she's like don't worry you're drunk i'll accept it for now yeah. um and then they basically go on and she tells him that she won at cards with her dad mm-hmm. that she absolutely killed him and then i was i wrote in my notes did he let her win because he she said way back when a good father would occasionally allow his child to win. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he let her win. Although she's a genius, so I'm sure she could have won on her own. But still, it made me think about it. I mean, then, the way she won it uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, she's probably just a genius. Everything is fine. But he leans up against her. It's very, like, it's kind of romantic, the way that he leans up against her. And then it just fades it's kind of a sweet ending even though it makes no sense why they're together at the end of this episode but it was cute (laughs) it makes absolutely no sense why they're together at all no did you like it this episode like they check in with each other like i don't get it and i know i hated this episode i think hodgins is a piece (laughs) of shit i fucking hate this episode (laughs) this Hodgins is terrible, but this also points out that Angela is not much better. <laughs> like, she has no respect for herself or something. I don't know no, why Angela she would doesn't put care. Up with that. I don't think she cares about Hodgins. 
She just wants to marry that rich dude. I wonder if they have a prenup. Okay. <laughs> Imagine. That's the other thing. When they were getting married in a week, I'm like, it takes a while to get a lawyer to draw that up, girl. Like, as if his parents aren't going to insist on that. Well, that's the thing. Although, are his parents still alive? I don't know. You I would know that better than me. Error. I think he. I think he's no. The you sole said he had heir. a brother. You told me he had a brother. Hmm. Anyway, we're not going to give this shit remember. away right no, now. We're just going to talk fine. about this episode. Yes, let's talk about the episode. I told you how I feel. What do you think? Um, the A plot was pretty good. All the extra stuff, like the Hodgins being a perv and. I could have done with that without that. I could have honestly done without the Max storyline as well. But I, I thought that okay. the, it was well directed. Yeah. I didn't mind the Max storyline. I just think it would have been better if they'd spent more time on the A plot and really fleshed out Ron or sorry, Sam Riley's character a bit more. Uh, I think more lengthier time with uh, like Mr. Nash, Hunt Singer, and What's-His-Face Valenti. Instead of doing the Hodgins thing, I think they could have ixnayed that all together, had the Max plot be the B plot, and then have this really juicy... Because that case is actually very interesting. Like, And we could have learned more. You're muted, I think. Um, my damn nose. <laughs> I'm gonna learn more about June. <laughs> I wanted to know more about June instead of yeah. just like she was a rebel in college. Like there has to be more to that, you know. Like I felt like they rushed. Like this whole thing was very rushed at the very end. Yeah, and like we could have if we didn't waste all that time with this bomb tech. Why? What was yeah. the point in that? Plus, I have no idea. Booth, Booth was, I didn't like him at all in this episode. I thought Brennan is the king of the lab in this. What's who was your king of the lab? Brennan's oh, yeah, my king, king of the lab. lab. Yeah. Bre well, you said Brennan. I would agree. Not only <laughs> I don't because she disagree with you, but she was badass. She stood well, up for she herself. She was setting boundaries, not taking any shit. You know, taking names, not taking any shit. That kind of thing, right? And um, Booth was, Booth, I don't know, it's like Hodgins was the worst. We have to think of like King of the Lab and the opposite of that. The rat of the lab, some kind rat of other lab, lab, <laughs> lab rat. The lab rat and the king of the lab. Like some other, the person who was like the least, uh, I think it's Hodgins is definitely the lab rat. And then Booth is a close second, I think, because of his... Yeah. Weird obsession with Brennan having a relationship with their father, and he didn't really stick up for her with Sam that much. Like he did try to, like, hey, she's my partner, like easy. Yeah. One but no, time. when when he when he said, "Oh, she must be great in bed," like he didn't stay stand up for her at all. Oh, I'm so surprised that he didn't punch him out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's so weird. But Brennan also not just from like a boundary setting, great like character building point of view, but her just being able to identify like the way she looks at the 
the x-ray of Neil Walken's hand and just knows right away about the rheumatoid arthritis. I was like, wow, she's so smart. It's cool that she realized that right away. Something that Zach yes. didn't even pick up on. Right. But rheumatoid arthritis, I think it's kind of easy to see. Oh, it? maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's not that special. Who knows? You're fired, Zach. You're fired. <laughs> All right. But overall, so, good. Okay. I'll take it back. It I just hated Hodgins so much. I didn't like Booth. I I didn't like the Max situation except for Brennan like standing up for herself, obviously. But like I said, I wish they'd spent more time on the main case, personally. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But okay. I guess they couldn't because last episode they focused, it was all about the case, right? So it was just like one of those things. I just want to mention too, to our listeners, before we uh, shut down and everything and say goodbye to each other. Please do check out our Instagram uh, page. It's uh, Squintcast. You can email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can contact us through our you know, direct messaging on Instagram especially. We also have a Facebook page. And I'm currently posting our episodes on YouTube. I'm hoping to get my shit together enough to do some video content. But we're not going to put any pressure on Kelly right now, okay? No pressure. I'll do, I'm I'm doing my best over here, but yeah, check us out on social media and everything. And please do like and subscribe. I think it does actually make a difference in terms of, you know, our ratings and our podcast showing up on front pages of different podcatchers. So whatever yeah. you're, you can do would be awesome to help us along because eventually, you know, we're, we've got a lot more seasons to go and we want to be committed and there's things we'd like to do in the future and the more listeners we have the more opportunities we'll have to create like more content rate review and subscribe babies and thank you thank you thank you on that note so let's wind it down thank you so much for listening to this episode of squintcast squintcast <laughs> I did not nail that that time. <laughs> See <tried>. you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Squintcast with me, Kelly Booth, and my and your new friend, Brittany Elsner. The Bones theme is performed by The Crystal Method. They can be found on Instagram and YouTube at The Crystal Method and at thecrystalmethod.com. Intro and outro music is by Twisterium at Pixabay. Cover art was done by Irena Dolance Stajan. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Squintcast. Email us at squintcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at fab underscore empire underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Brittany is at Brittany81523 on Instagram. See you next time. Hodgins! <laughs>